Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. This is episode 29 of the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast. In today's show, we're going to be talking about biomechanics and functional range movement, an area which I think is very overlooked in the world of fitness. Joining me on the podcast today is Ollie Frost. Ollie is an ex-professional rugby player and has been a sports coach for over 10 years. Ollie is truly passionate about functional range conditioning. Good afternoon, Ollie. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me onto the show. Um, it's always good to come on and speak um, about something you're very really passionate about. So, yeah, I really appreciate the uh, invitation. No, great. I'm, I'm, great you, um, I'm glad you accepted, um, to be honest. And like we've just been talking about before we started recording, I'm a huge fan of your work. I'm a huge fan of the topic. And, um, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to getting involved and, and, and finding out a lot more about... Um, about it today but obviously for the people listening they've probably uh not come across you before so could you give us some introduction about yourself your background and how you became to to where you are today and doing functional range conditioning um so basically i i started off and um, the journey kind of began for me through movement when um i was younger so i grew up um, playing rugby and then i also did a lot of um contemporary dance and uh, break dancing uh, yeah, so I've got a bit of a dance background and then I got to uh, when I was 16 and I had to make a decision really whether I, whether I was going to go into doing full-time dancing or whether I was going to pursue a rugby career. And then I took the rugby route um, and then I played professional rugby from uh, 18 to 25, uh, mainly for Worcester Warriors, uh, which was great. Um, but I did a lot of things I didn't um, before that time. So I lifted a lot of weights um, kind of lost a lot of my natural flexibility and uh, mobility through um, just generic type S&C type movement patterns, which then kind of led me onto a different path when I stopped rugby about five years ago when I got started one-to-one coaching. I kind of wanted to see whether it was possible to get back to how I used to move um, in, a, in a previous life, so to speak. So sort of delved into mobility and went on some amazing um, courses and through sort of um, personal practice and just through lots of coaching and just being having some mentors around me. I kind of developed a uh, really, um, I think, a really streamlined um, approach to mobility and helping people improve their joint health and their longevity. Um, FRC is one of the, um, one of the, one of the big contributing factors to um, mobility, which I use on, on, on a daily basis, um, as well as I use a lot of other types of methods, which I will go into a little bit later on as well in the podcast. But the foundation of joint health for me does start at the uh, FRC protocol and the principles which um, are based around that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I think it's a, it's a fascinating topic. And I think one which... Um, is hugely overlooked by the fitness industry in general. And 
And one of the kind of parallels I draw from that is when you see you see a lot of older people that are in their retirement um, ages going to the gym because that's what they think they need to do in order to maintain their health or to improve their health. Um, and actually, you know, that you see them on the machines and all the rest of it. I actually saw them in the gym this morning and you think massive kudos to you going in there to do it in the first place because it's a very kind of young person's environment, if you like. But actually, they probably would be much more uh, or get much more results and it'd be much more beneficial if they were to do practices like like you do in order just to, to help their, their, their functional range and ability because as we, as we get older it becomes more limited doesn't it we you know, we come we, we start off when we're babies being hugely flexible and then as we kind of grow into our uh, you know kind of sedentary states if you like we become you know we, we start to move in certain ways and that's it, it kind of stays like that so, so I think this is a hugely interesting topic and it'd be good to get your thoughts on what you think about this, you know, mm. what you practice and how that can be applied in the, in the general field. Um, definitely. I mean, I think what's, what's big, what you touched on there was, you know, I think as we naturally um, get older, our movement patterns drastically change from, if you think about when we were children, the movement we we sort of did there on a daily basis is pretty amazing you know sort of squatting crawling um hanging off things and really truly having that sort of child's play uh, mindset and and as we sort of evolve and we we go down this sort of streamlined path of society job family and we go down you know the route of travel to work we go back from work and we lie down and we sit in front of the tv and these patterns are coming become ingrained and then we combine that with yeah. very, very much um, lin like a very linear, straightforward approach when it comes to training. So if you've got, you know, like an average person might have an hour a day, maybe maximum to train a couple of times a week. And if you spend that time just doing the same movement patterns over and over again, we can we become very robotic and um, your body becomes very accustomed to this. And your your posture really alone is the position which you spend most time in so if you if you constantly are only working a flex position or or you know you're you're sat down a lot then unfortunately you're going to have to deal with some of the consequences from that um so the approach i've got to movement is about exploring and trying to create different types of movement patterns which are, the body is capable of but has become over time due to environmental factors or your job or your lifestyle has almost crippled the way which you used to move as a baby which was beautiful in terms of movement you're doing all sorts of stuff and then as the years go on you kind of you get sort of streamlined into not a good um way of moving really that's just my opinion but i think there's lots of ways to um address that yeah yeah exactly i agree so in terms of theory and the science behind you know the functional range conditioning that you do what's the kind of basic premise or the theory behind it so the frc um structure which is uh, derived by science and it's from um, a guy called dr andre spine who's based in america uh, he's former chiropractor massive into jiu-jitsu um and he's 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 looking at the body in a systematic approach in terms of um, a joint by joint approach. So looking at the capsule in terms of um, starting at the capsule. So let's take the hip, for example, does the hip work like a hip? And that's one of the sayings. So does the joint work as a joint? So what we mean by that is does the joint have 
for rotational capacity? Does it have articular resilience, which means does the does that joint have the capacity to move in all directions freely? And yeah. taking the hip as an example, the ball and socket joint, if the ball within the capsule um, doesn't glide properly um, in, in internally or externally, then the body's very, very clever at creating a, a mechanism to uh, create tightness. And what we perceive as um, muscle tightness is could be a neurological tightness or a perceived tightness. So right. there's a symptom, not a cause. So right. we're, we're, we, we feel tight, but what if we looked a little bit deeper, it might, we, we, you might actually see that the, um, the hip capsule, for example, doesn't have that clear rotation in internally or externally, which as a knock-on effect, unfortunately, means that our nervous system doesn't feel very safe. And when our brain doesn't feel safe, it, it, it creates this neurological tightness. And that could be from the hip flexor or the glute or just stuff clinging on around it. And that's, um, so what the FRC stuff does, it starts at the capsule first. So whether it's the shoulder or the joint, it gets the shoulder to work really, really well. And it's, all, and it's, and it's all active control. So it's, it's, it's using the movements, um, through using intra abdominal pressure. And that's meant to, um, create tension throughout the whole body. And the more tension you create throughout the whole body, it's like, imagine you're doing a set of deadlifts, um, and you only use a bar your whole life. Like you're never going to achieve your PB deadlift because you've never added any load. And the, the with mobility training is you never actually really see an external load. The load y- you create is intra. So that's for your brain and your, whether that's pressure for your abdomen while you're performing the activity. And that is your own way of putting weight on the deadlift bar, if that makes sense. So, which means that over time you will recruit more, most units or it will create an, an, a, an adaptation which will create more mobility and um, so it's the same way if you're doing a five by five strength set you're going to be recruiting more um motor units into that area which is going to create more of a load and progressive load over time which creates a stronger um glute or hamstring this is looking at the same principle of loading but at the joint um and also convincing your nervous system that it's safe to be in that position Right. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. So, so in, in very simple terms, then, from what you said there, in terms of you know using your body um, to create the movement and your neuro- neurological system, the way that I see that is it's essentially using your your body against yourself in in terms of um in terms of weight and resistance. Is that a fair assumption or um? The the main premise really is that you're going to be creating more control throughout your whole entire body. So um, the more, whether that's with a weight or without a weight, the the ninety nine like the majority of mobility work should be done. Really, in my opinion, should be done body weight first, um, and then I only really add load um, if it's necessary, and that would be. <clears throat> to increase um, just the intensity or just to add some more progressive load to that particular exercise. You can really make mobility really, really hard about really adding any weight because it's control um, of your body and it's more importantly, it's control of your nervous system. So your um, nervous system is then broken down into your voluntary nervous system, which is your peripheral 
um, nervous system. So that's, so that's your sight, and that's how you move from a mosquito point of view. Then you've got your um, um, autonomic um, uh, nervous system, which is your parasympathetic and your um, your sympathetic nervous system. So your parasympathetic nervous system is responsible for your rest and digest system and your synthetic part of your nervous system is part of your fight or flight and obviously throughout like day-to-day life we kind of go through quite a lot of fight fight or flight so we'd be quite stressed quite a lot so the point of using mobility in general is to sort of tap into um a little bit more of the other side of your nervous system and the more you can tap into that whether that's through movement stretching or general types of ways um around mobility then you will convince your brain that it's in a safer place to perform perform the activity if that makes sense i'm not just going a bit deep there but um no it does it does make sense and actually what you said there about the nervous systems um and the neurological side of it is something that i hadn't even considered before but now you said it makes um perfect sense particularly around the sympathetic and the parasympathetic yeah. nervous systems you know the rest and relax and the fight mm. or flight side of things that, that makes perfect sense because it's there essentially the fight or flight in some ways to kind of protect us isn't it and i guess if the body's going into a position or it's trying to you know carry out a movement which which your neurological system assumes that it could be in danger then that kind of could cause yeah. it to tense up or could cause the joint to kind of not be as flexible um to prevent any that's it and it's um we what's what going into the bit the frc a bit is what they cover on um some of the content is that we rarely train in positions which we get injured in and when the uh, load exceeds the demand that obviously creates a trauma or you know we 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 push something too far or we've been caught off guard and that and our nervous system has responded in a way to protect us how um the point of mobility training as well as as improving um the health of the joint is injury mitigation and it's almost used as a re- rehabilitation tool so it it's 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 looking at ways to um utilize your body in a thousand different ways and if you can convince your body in training that you can move in all these cool different ways then just for example you're walking down the street and you get pushed and you roll your ankle if you've trained your ankles to be in that position safely before that accident then the likelihood is that you wouldn't um, experience a, a harsh grade or you wouldn't experience a harsh um, sprain of your ankle because your body has a history of training in that position. What what we don't do is enough of is that we only train in positions which we feel safe in. So I'm just going to take a standard program of, you know, like if it's a push-pull session, you will only be working really in one plane. There might not be much rotational movement or lateral movement. So what happens is, we build up a sort of a, a library of memory within this region. Then, for example, if you go, if you go and play rugby like I did, then you go you you might get tackled in a really awkward position. But because you haven't trained in that way to prepare yourself, then your body's only reaction is to cause a lot of t- uh, you know inflammation around the area, which could you know could have not been saved because we, we can't help being injured, but we can also help the level of injury when it occurs. Yeah. And I, I guess I, the one thing that comes to mind there is you were talking about that, particularly with rolling the angle. 
particularly people that are, you know, slightly older in, in, in their later years, you know, particularly elderly people. My assumption is that that's why when they have a simple thing like that, where they roll their ankle, because they are, they have never been in that position or they are so frightened about it. That's why sometimes I guess the injury can far outweigh actually what happened. Mm, 100%. Yeah. 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 So that, that's really, that, yeah, it's really interesting. So in terms of the, the functional range conditioning, to me, it really seems like now that it's becoming much more mainstream, um, much more widely accepted. Um, there's a lot more people like yourself doing it now. So why do you think that this kind of evolution has happened? What do you think has been the trigger? Um, I mean, I think in general, the fitness industry does a, you know, does a bit of a loop, doesn't it? You know, it sort of goes, yeah. um, whether it, I, I hope this sticks around because this is for me, the foundation of, you know, like you're sort of, but if you, if, if you don't have the capacity to move your body safely in space, then to load your body is, is, you know, like, I'm not going to discriminate against bad PTs because I'm, you know, but I mean, you see it, you go to your local gym and you'll see, you'll see someone doing something. You think, Oh God, I don't think they should be doing that or they shouldn't be loaded in, 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 in that way. And that's not anything to do with the trainer. But I think the education side of it isn't good enough to prepare trainers and coaches to go into then dealing with real life situations. And whether that's an education or it's an ego thing, or it's a bit of both, but I would never load someone unless I was completely convinced that they could perform very basic tasks with no pain. If they were restricted in an area, you can still load other areas, but you'd have to be very, very careful around the area which wasn't exactly moving in the way you'd like to because, you know, you're, you might not cause an injury at that point, but you're, you're going to be causing, um, causing some sort of imbalance or, you know, asymmetrical sort of um, movement dysfunction over time, which then could lead to a potential injury. So it's very, very important just that, you know, even to have a basic screen in place and to really, this stuff is quite lower level. So it's not like sexy stuff. So it's not like, you know, doing some crazy lift or doing something really, really cool. But what it will do is it will enable you to do that more sequential task or it will allow you to do something, you know, go and play sport on the weekend or go for a walk a bit easier. It will make your day-to-day life so much easier from having more articular resilience and more space for the joint to move and also for your nervous system to be more capable as well. If that makes right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think in in sorry to interrupt. I think it's in some ways, particularly around um, around males, it's 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 almost like a an ego kind of testosterone level in in a sense that you know you want to get fit, so you need to go hard, mm. you need to go heavy, and all the rest of it. But actually, you know, when you really start to understand this stuff, the the actual the benefits are actually going light and 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 you know, being very comfortable and confident in doing these particular movements. So the, the, the example I'll give you is around squatting. You know, you, you tend to see loads of people that want to squat, but they want to squat heavy because that's what squatting is. But actually, when you look at them and you look at their range of their, their squat, they're actually probably doing less than half of the squat because of their range of movement under load won't allow them to actually complete the full full movement. So I think... There's this, this, like you say, around education. That's how it's always been. 
and there's not been enough change in the industry for people to say, well, actually, I don't need to do that. Um, and an example I'll give is I um, I stopped having weight on a squat. I used Now I just use the bar mm. and I'll squat down, but I'll pause for three seconds at the bottom. Um, and then to try and come out of that squat, if you don't have your form right or you haven't gone down properly, it's very, very hard. So you actually don't need the weight necessarily to, to perform it. I mean, I mean, I completely agree. And it's... Um... It's you sometimes taking a few steps back to move forward is, you know, it, it's a it's a commendable thing. But as as a guy or, you know, and if you're in a, in an environment which is stimulating, you know, I've, I've been in it when I, when I was growing up and you know, no one spoke about this end. But then only when I've realized when I've got older that I can't achieve the, these things because of not a lack of um of application but simply a lack of mobility that's what's then holds you back but if you would have matched your mobility with the same level as your strength then you would you would hopefully never come across these um that come across these issues but as you say it's not doesn't has hasn't in the past been to be the uh, popular subject but it's it, it's a culture which needs to change because right. strength in general is um is I think it has a great misconception around it because you can you can be strong but also not strong. So like you might go to a gym and you see you know see someone bench pressing you know t- twice their body weight and squatting loads and and looking under a huge amount of stress and being like wow God that guy's really strong. But then if you ask the same person to sit on his sit on his um, bottom and put his legs out to the side and lift up his leg five inches and hold it and then have his you know test his hip flexor active control and he cramps up straight away and then if he can't do that does that make him not strong or weak it's like so i think the whole conception around strength is wrong because people who can't lift those weights and can perform other tasks are stronger in, in, in a different way for me if you can't control your own body weight you're not strong so you might be able to exert the pressure in a quite a short space of time up at you know in quite a short range but can you actually perform a task which we, if you think back to us being primal, were we were we designed to work in such a short space with such high amount of load? If we were used to be monkeys and braciate and be more primal and cavemen, I don't think we were required to, you know, lift such a heavy amount in such a short space of time. We were we were, we had to do day to day tasks hunt, gather, you know, and all the rest of it, where we, you would have been required to do a whole range of tasks throughout the day. Um, so that that's just my, obviously, bias opinion. I've obviously come from professional rugby, which is was driven around, you know, S&C being how strong is the... How, how are you basing the strongest person in the room because of what they can lift in the weight room? Well, I think that's, that's completely the wrong idea because if you can't perform you know, 50 bodyweight push-ups and do X amount of pull-ups, I think that's a better test of bodyweight strength. And then for me, lifting accessory weights is, you know, it's I don't think it's the be-all and end-all, but unfortunately with the culture, especially with young lads, it's all about how much can you lift and um, that will unfortunately won't, doesn't last very long because I end up seeing a lot of them come and see me later on in life who have had troubles and disc issues and because they simply push themselves too hard without balancing any mobility work into their program. Yeah, and I think it just comes back to the comment that you made before, you know, around education. 
Um, and hopefully, you know, with, with the stuff that you put out on social media and, you know, just on the internet in general now, hopefully that that is going to start to, to evolve and change. Um, and people will start to realize that it's not all about going heavy. It's about actually being able to do the movement correctly, you know, under your own weight, if you like, in the first place. So, um, yeah, I think it, it, yeah, it's very important. So in terms of like some of the movements that I see you doing in your classes and, and uh, some of the stuff you put up on Instagram, a lot of it looks like yoga and Pilates. You know, is it is there any link, or is is yoga and Pilates actually a, a subsection of the of the functional range condition? So, um, to, to put that, in my opinion, very very simply, everything you see is is purely yeah. movement. So that's your you know that's your ability to move joints in space, and that's your ability to move limbs in space, and that's you. That's it. FRC is a is something which has been packaged up like a lot of other stuff in the world, like Pilates, and and then someone or something has developed a system which is a very very good system, and it makes it makes it easier for us to identify what's black and what's white. But in in my opinion, there's there's crosses between every single thing you do. So when I take someone for a um, a one to one session, depending on what the goal is and what I think is appropriate. I personally will use a whole host of stuff. So I will use elements of FRC because I know that's going to be the foundation. And then I'm, I, I might shoot off into different arrows and that might be um, more sort of based around dance practice, more um, gymnastic-based strength work. That might shoot up into more S&C work. That might go off into more um, Pilates, TVA sort of control work if they've had back issues or you know if they're postnatal or stuff like that. So there's there's shoot they're shooting off arrows. Um, for me to to separate two in terms of what's passive, what's active. FRC is drilled around active control, so that's that's when you're creating the tension within yourself, and that's you driving neural sort of loads into your um, nervous system to create adaptation over time then you've got the other side of it which would be yoga which is passive and that looks at you know more sort of open movements that's your um way of extending a range of motion but not necessarily with control the whole time so frc is very much black and white in terms of this is active this is you creating um active control and then for me i put everything else kind of in an, another sort of area where it might be something but I, i'm not even sure what the name of it is but it's a mixture of everything because your body doesn't really um know what one or two is it's it's, it's what you're doing at the time and the stimulus that you're trying to create um i guess is the answer to that so i i personally use uh, a mixture of lots of different elements i would never class myself as a frc practitioner purely because i um i have so much respect for other movement practices whether that's capoeira whether that's a bit of yoga whether that's a bit of pilates or whatever whether that's my own personal uh, style and personal opinion on things as well um so yeah that's that's where i'm at that's where i'm i'm, I'm personally at, at this stage of my sort of um career with um philosophy type work with it yeah i think i think that's a great um approach to have because it's I think if you if you focus on one particular element, you end up becoming very tunnel vision as to what else you can do to enhance what you're already doing. Um, and so, like you, your approach, by by looking at by just 
taking it as a whole kind of movement scenario you you then that then opens you up to everything that's available and you can adapt and depend i i guess it's very much dependent on who you're mm. coaching as well 100 percent, you know and some people you know like you know say I've, I've got guys who have you know had history of like back pain or they've done lots of weight training and you know for them to do um to do loads of frc which is really really active and it's creating more tension but then what have they been doing in the weight room for the last 10 years they've been creating tension so for them they might need more soft release stuff they might need some more passive um techniques um which is always going to be based around you know the frc way of creating more space but it will lean towards a bit more of an open approach but then if i've got you know um say a female who she's just done yoga her whole life but she's really really flexible always maybe borderline in the borderline hypermobility in some areas then i'm not going to do more passive work in more open stuff of her she's just going to get end range um capture control and you know the ability to really real knuckle down into those ranges and make sure you own those ranges because for that individual they their susceptibility of injury is obviously a lot higher than the guy who's been in the weight room the whole time and end range points so that's something i've actually only really learned in the last year or two is because i it was good that i obviously learned the concept and the methods behind um the active control at the beginning but for my personal um sort of body and my nervous system it probably needed a little bit more of a passive release um, because I'm so tight, because I've, you know, li- I was lifting weights five times a week for however many years and never stretching. So for me, I probably need to do a little bit more of the stretching than um, the other type. But it's all balanced. It's all dependent on who the individual I'm coaching. And just to quickly add in to another sort of areas I like to add in, and that's breath work and that's diet diaphragmatic breathing and that's also another area which is also which comes in which is balance which i think is um, a thing which isn't used enough in fitness in general and um, so these are two big topics which i'm kind of exploring at the moment and i'm um, trying to use yeah. within people's sessions i think you know being able to breathe properly is absolutely paramount and that's something which we are never taught how to do properly you know the first thing you do when you're born is breathe but no one tells you how to breathe properly so you know, these are all, for me, it's encompassing everything. So it's like, can you move your joints? Can you breathe properly? Can you balance? Can you load? You know, and it might seem like a lot of stuff, but when you break it down, these are all, they, these are all human functions of which we should be able to do effortlessly. But, but, but throughout our training, our lifestyle, culture, the media, you know, pressure, peer pressure, Instagram, you, you end up following something or a trend which – which might not be your goal, but it's someone else's goal, um, and and then and then we end up a bit stuck. So um, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, it's in the the interesting point you brought up there is about you know the basic stuff, you know, particularly uh, breath work. So we had Richie Brostock on the show um, a few months ago uh, talking about breath work, and the funny thing is, is when you talk to somebody about doing breath work, they look at you like you're nuts. They're like, yeah, well, I can breathe. And you actually can't. And it's exactly like you say, you know, we're born and we just start breathing as soon as we're born. How many people actually take the conscious kind of actions to say, well, no, I'm going to breathe. And I've started doing it. I now do it every morning. Um, I go outside and I do, you know, maybe five minutes of just breath work. And it, it is so profound in the impacts that it has. So it's just about 
you know, being conscious about what you're doing. And, and you, you know, you mentioned Instagram there, and obviously it has its good points and its bad yeah. points. Um, and you follow a path which, you know, just because somebody else is popular, it's not what you necessarily um, want to do or, you know, what you want to achieve. So I think a lot of it is about being conscious yeah. um, and about understanding that the, the, the stuff that we do daily, unconsciously, is a bit more conscious about it actually have quite an impact on your 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 just your general health and your general mobility and stuff like that so i think that's that's 100 percent. you know it's um yeah i mean i think it's they're sort of buzzwords at the moment but you know awareness in you know staying present and not it's 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 hard but when you look at your phone i don't think people realize this but it creates stress right away so as soon as you flick on instagram your body goes into a Put you know almost like it's like a defense mechanism. It puts his hands up. You know you you you, you might not even realize it, but you might start going into a apical sort of breathing pattern where you know you're sort of breathing at the top of your lungs and you know, you, you, you you you're seeing a few bits and like you know that you 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 might be breathing a little bit faster. You know then you, you, you might see stuff you don't like or you or you or you do like. It just sort of charges you up and you know like like I. I I it's an, it's been it's been an incredible tool for me personally because I don't think we would have ever connected without it. But it has its um, it is really really um, for me it, it, like you need to go on it and be strict for yourself and be like right I'm gonna maybe a lot a little bit of time today to look at Instagram maybe pick up a bit a bit 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 of inspiration connect with a few people who I like and then just log out and then just don't look at it until the next day and if you know, don't feel pressured to keep going on it and because it's you know it's part of my business but to be honest with you I, I wish I didn't have it because it's a pain because it's a, it's a pain in the ass and 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 I hope yeah. what I do in the next couple of years will hopefully build up enough of a like other like you know a connective or a, or a connections with people that I could maybe leave it completely you know like I don't know if that would be something I could do, but I, I would like not to have it, and you know, just for people to come to me organically. But unfortunately, it's you, know, you get a lot of um, in, interaction through um, Instagram, but whether good or bad. So it's um, but again, just going back to the breathing thing, you know, and that sort of tapping into your parasympathetic um, way of breathing and using your diaphragm to you know control your whole entire sort of well-being um, is greatly. Um, you know, it's not been given the time of day enough, but I think I'm pretty sure I can feel things will get more um, profound when people realise that, like you said, just doing your morning breath work, you know, sets you up for the day. You, you're making better decisions. You know, you're, you're moving out of that anxiety sort of um, stage a little bit, or you're it's a bit more connected to what you're about to do. So yeah, I think it's I think it's amazing, and it, and it's just through the power of breath. It's nothing you have to take or do. You just got to. Yeah, you just got to breathe a little bit differently. I, I echo everything you said there, particularly around social media. But, you know, as quite rightly as you said, you know, you and I probably wouldn't have connected if it hadn't have been for that. So it definitely does have have its upsides. Uh, in, in terms mm. of, um, you know, a, a common uh, condition or an injury that, that people come to see you for, um, what kind of things are, are people coming to see you for? What's prompting them to come and see you in the first place? Um, I think it's. I seem to have a um, a, a, a few sort of pools of uh, clientele. So um, one pool will be 
guys who are um, very much uh, performance driven in terms of uh, results based. So whether um, they are competing in triathlons or Ironman events, and you know, they, they, for them, it's a lot of uh, injury prevention, um, and it's obviously a lot of um, it's a lot of work in a lot of the same plane. So for them, it's about improving the um, the capacity of the joint more than anything. So it's about being able to you know finish off that last leg or that last swim, but be have a better efficiency. The more efficiency you have through movement, the less energy you'll expend. So the yeah. less energy you expend, hopefully that will then have a positive effect towards their um, result. And then the next pool of people <clears throat> would say people who have been sort of very death driven, um, you know, have have quite a lot of stress in their lives, or um, and throughout their you know sort of passage maybe even from leaving school they haven't done a lot of activity and they're kind of in a position where they just just don't really know their own body that well and I guess um through the stuff I do with those guys is a little bit more back to basics in terms of you know being more aware of movement and doing simple things on a daily basis which can really impact your um your health and your longevity um without overloading them with the science and the specifics behind stuff but just being more like that this is how you can make some subtle changes which could then prevent your neck pain or your back pain or your hip pain um and then i've got people who have come back from serious injuries so um people have had some disc injuries or they've been cleared from physio treatment but they're looking for the bridge between going back to full training and continuing their rehab so i guess that's where i'd come in in and that's where i kind of place myself anyway it's a bit of a I would say I'm, a, I'm in a bit of a grey area between um, sort of full fitness and maybe people who are just wanting to address niggles or they want to work on areas which have been underlying for a long time and but which aren't quite injuries per se. Um, they're on the road to recovery, but yeah. they are still wanting to address um, asymmetries or imbalances with, with it, with it, with, with, within the body. So yeah. It's a better group, which is nice. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think um, from my side, it's definitely I can definitely see the benefits from a from a, um, a prevention perspective and from a performance perspective. Because what I've gradually started to learn is that you know if you have been in a kind of a had a sedentary lifestyle, when you start to to do either running specifically actually, and then you do some hit training and stuff like that, you get a lot of stiffness in the body because the body's not been used to being used in that way and muscle groups that haven't been used for a long long time and very quickly you can then become going from a sedentary state into a really stiff state and then you can compensate in another way so i think just by improving your general movement will just help you in whatever fitness you decide to take up and also i think more importantly is is that prevention side of it which i think is very key as you get into your 40s, you know, if you get injured, that injury takes that much longer to recover from. 100%. Yeah, it's it's what's, what's frustrating is that many people, you know, probably I was the same as well, that you kind of wait to get injured before you then try to fix it. Yeah. And, you know, like you, it's it's a mindset again. You know, if you that, – that's why I don't really like to box anything up mentally in people's heads because – for me, it's all movement. It's it, it it's all going to benefit whatever task we're doing in a day, whether that's playing with your kids or whether that's walking up the stairs to work or whether that's jumping on the rower at the end of the day or doing your weights. You know, it's all it's all in some way going to have a benefit. You know, if you've got 
greater control of your nervous system. You know, you're breathing properly. You're, you're a little bit more relaxed. You've got better clarity. There's more space for your body to move. You're a bit more connected with what you're doing. And you're sort of asking questions a bit more as well. So, you know, if you're in the gym and doing bits and pieces or on your program, it's like, what's the, what's the goal here? And why am I trying to achieve something? Is this right for me? And always like, ask yourself that. And, you know, if you've got a trainer or you're, you, you know, online or one-to-one stuff, you know, always say to someone, oh, this is cool, but like, what's the benefit of this? You know, and just, I think more, more ask why, and then you'll get the more information back. And then that will help you connect better with your own body as well. The more you can be uh, more aware of your own body, then I think the greater results in terms of, or, you know, you'll live a, hopefully a, a less, um, you know, pain-free existence with less discomfort throughout the rest of your life. Uh, you've got that mindset to move. Asking the questions of why, why you're doing it, but also, and I think this is some an area, and again, <clears throat> I don't want to be negative towards any kind of trainers, but that's something that they don't necessarily ask. They don't necessarily ask, what is it you want to achieve? Why are you training with me? Um as opposed to right, you want to train right. We're going to do this, you know. Uh, it's a, it's about yeah. It's about mm. come back to this same comment again. Is is about awareness and and making sure that you know you are doing what you want to do and what's right for you. So uh, yeah, I think that's that's very important. So in terms of um, you know, the, how we could or people listening and how we could com you know, add functional range conditioning into into our kind of exercise and fitness you know if you're if you're doing running swimming cycling like i am and then i'll do a bit of hit training as well how would you what basics would you say that you can kind of implement into that apart from coming to see you obviously <laughs> um i think it's easier if i um don't probably specifically say about frc because it's too hard to explain like yeah. this if if, 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 so, if someone's listening but I would say is that if you're doing any warm up activity or any or any stretch position, ask yourself what is the point of the stretch or what is the point of the movement. So, for example, I've just got a few um, exercises here which I would recommend people doing every single day. So, there's got the cat cow or the cat camel um, exercise. So that's done obviously to to improve the flexion and, and extension through the spine. So we we want to achieve full control through every, every single joint in the spine and every single, through every single vertebrae. When, when, we, when we do the usual cat cow, it's done, like, not fast, but it's done at a relative speed where your brain isn't really engaging with the movement that well. So next time you do a cat cow, before you warm up to do some, some back work or any activity, really, focus on moving every single part of the spine in segmentation and having ownership through each facet of that spinal column is going to increase your whole body your whole body um mobility um and if you've had any issues with back pain or have discomfort in 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 your hips or your upper or mid thoracic a basic segmented cat camel will over time be one of the greatest uses that i could ever recommend um so right, that, that 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 that'd be one and to really focus i've actually got a post in it on my instagram uh, i did it back in the summer but just to look at the way your spine moves and film yourself and you'll quickly see whether you 
you're you don't have as much mobility maybe in your lumbar spine or your thoracic because what happens is it will look like a flat spot in the spine so the spine won't wave independently so it will look like there's there's coupled um joints sort of like stuck together and your spine isn't obviously a straight object it's something which can flex extend rotate laterally flex so it's got all these amazing movements and we should be able to affect every, every, every single joint independently but that's something which which we don't focus on enough so that's one um the second one i would recommend people doing is hanging and that's just basic passive hanging so probably the easiest exercise you could ever do in the world jump on a bar pronated grip so that means your hands are turned over and then hang with your feet together and relax your armpits and try and build up to doing four minutes every single day and that's not in one go you might do 15 seconds jump off do a few minutes whenever you can hanging is the best exercise to decompress your spine and it is the best exercise to allow the shoulder socket to to sit naturally in the arch of the shoulder and when the shoulder so the humeral head fits into the shoulder socket um sorry the humerus it's it's it's, it's going to sit perfectly which will allow the rotator cuff and the tendons around that area to relax completely and when that happens you will i can you shouldn't guarantee this as as somebody works in the fitness industry but i can almost guarantee if you've had a bad shoulder and you just passively um did some hanging every day for six weeks your shoulder pain would 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 drastically reduce it might be painful at the start but it would get better over time if you superset to that with some rotator cuff work some external rotations and light work it would drastically improve the health of the shoulder so Hanging, cat cows. The third one is the same kind of principle as hanging. It's just a bodyweight squat. So that's take 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 your shoes off. Squat down as low as you can. If you feel like a massive pinch in your hips to begin with, take some breaks. If you can't squat because your heels are coming off the ground, that's obviously going to indicate that your ankles aren't quite ready for that position. Stick some plates under it for now or stick some objects under it. And over time, try and get in the habit of taking that object away. And again, you're trying to accumulate a good couple of minutes every single day Relaxing the squat that's going to help improve your hips, your knees, your ankles, and decompress your your um lower back. And then, then I would look at doing some controlled articulation. So that's the cars from FRC. So this is going to be harder to discuss, but if you just go on to um onto my page, I've done some bits on cars and things like that. So you can. But the idea is taking basic movement patterns with control, and that's the control and the tension. Yeah comes from that intra-abdominal pressure which you create yourself um and then the last one i would do is what we touched on earlier would be breathing so that would be trying to implement more um diaphragmatic breathing which is going to be using the diaphragm as a way to you know put, put yourself into that um parasympathetic uh, part of your nervous system and to be more in control of your daily activities and, and the more you can be living in that area yeah. then when you when you come to move and if you can breathe as you do in your breath work when you're concentrating and like that, then you then you transfer it into movement tasks. You just feel a, a significant change because you will be in control of what you're doing and your body will feel safe. Yeah. And the more your brain feels safe, the more capacity and the more um, area of improvement you will gain over time from having that effect as well. So, yeah, that'd be something I would definitely look to improve. And, you know, the average person, I think, breathes... Uh, 12 to 14 reps every time um, every minute so to get into like a good sort of 
you know, if you're doing breath work, you want to be sort of taking four to six um, breaths, and that's a like a therapeutic type um, um, number of reps to sort of tap into. So it's using not the upper part of the chest, it's using the diaphragm, and that's not the abdomen either. So it's trying to basically use more of the muscles around the back as 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 you exhale, and then this is going to basically improve the um, function of the diaphragm. And I think, I think, think that's five. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Brilliant. I mean, I, from what you said there, you know, they're, they're very, they, they sound like very basic um, things that you can do. But obviously, until you understand why you're doing them, um, it doesn't kind of make it um, kind of tangible, I guess. And, and, and kind of is having that understanding as to what it, what the benefits are. Um, and from what you said there, which is actually one, one that I've not heard before, and that's, it's almost like care of your spine, isn't it? Taking care of your spine, making sure that it's stretched out, making sure that it moves in all these, you know, amazing ways that it can. Um, and it's almost like, yeah, kept taking care of your spine. And obviously you've said there as well, the breath work, which I think we've already discussed is a huge. Mm. Yeah. I mean, simple things, you know, like, so you've got your spinal health cap. Um, cat camel, you've got your shoulders and spine for hanging, you've got your hips from the squat. Uh, you know, you start to look a little bit into the cars that that's not actually essential to begin with, yeah. and that's breath work. So, you know, these are all things that you could listen to this podcast, you could start straight away. So, you could do 10 cat camels as slow as you can, film yourself, look at where you're not moving the spine very well in terms of does the spine look like it's stuck yeah. together. Um, and that might be the guys, we obviously got a lot of tightness through our thoracic. Um, some women have a little bit of the opposite, so they're quite good through their thoracic. They got less muscle tone; they would have done less weights, but they might have a stiff lower yeah. back. Um, the squat—if you can't body weight your squat—that's going to indicate um, poor hip flexion. That's going to indicate some um, um, some knee sort of stability and uh, mobility. Then ankle dorsiflexion. So ankle dorsiflexion is the is the most limiting factor to lower limb um, mobility. So if you've got tight ankles or you've got tight feet. That'd be something I would address um, with a priority, okay. and then breath work. So, okay. yeah, some really good stuff in there. Fantastic, thank you very much, Ollie. So, um, before we wrap it up today, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel I should have asked you, which will benefit the listeners? Uh, I think, to be honest with you, I think that's it. I think one thing I could say um, in general is it's a hard thing to do because I guess, again, it's going back to, you know, judgment, preconceived ideas, but that's not to be afraid of trying new things. And I don't be afraid of looking at the weirdo in your gym because, you know, as like, as long as you're not, you know, doing stuff with weight, you're not really going to hurt yourself. So if it's body weight and it's with control, you're going to be just finding more about yourself. And if you're in a gym where you don't feel comfortable doing that stuff then just don't go cancel your membership, don't find some it is or, a bit, 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 bit more understanding because life is too short to, to be moving or living in pain, and it's and it, it, you know it's pain is um, you know it's a horrible thing to live with or discomfort or tightness, and it's you know you you might not ever cure pain, but you can certainly use a lot of natural things to really help yourself. Um, so yeah, that would be my biggest thing to be more open minded and you know just and also not get bombarded with stuff. Just keep things simple. You know your body is designed to move in lots of different ways, and that's basically it. And just try and figure out ways to improve that. And if you've been doing the same program for a long time and you've not been seeing many results, yeah. maybe at times look at the program or the way it's been taught to you or the way you're performing it and make some subtle changes, add some more mobility, add some breath work, 
add a bit more stretching at the end. Do it for a certain amount of time. Don't do it for a day or two. Do it for six to eight weeks, like a normal program. And does it do you feel better? And I'm pretty certain the benefits will be positive. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's you know, I think we all we all get too caught up in what people think. And I think, you know, particularly as I've got older, I've cared a lot less about that. And I think you just have to do it. And you do have to, you know, for want of a better word, be the weirdo in the gym and try. I mean, I'm definitely going to be trying the hanging that you've suggested because I think I'm quite tall. I'm six foot three. That is only going to be beneficial for me, particularly with my swimming as well, around shoulder mobility, hanging and things like that is is only going to help me. So I think that, yeah, it's very important. And the other good point that you made there was around don't do the same training program week in week out yes you have to do it you said six to eight weeks um but don't do it for six months a year or so because your body's very very intelligent and it will work out what you're doing and you will just hit that plateau and you won't actually move forward exactly and then you know variety is the spice of life and it's um it's uh, yeah. It's just it is all about your mindset, and if your mindset isn't prepared to change, it doesn't actually matter what exercises you 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 get given, you won't change. So you have to internally think about the changes you want to make, whether that's through visual visualization or whether that's you actually thinking about more the process of what's going on, and then your body's ready to change. So yeah, it's all about thinking a bit more slowly about stuff. And just don't get me wrong, I love getting sweaty still. I love doing hard hard workouts and all the rest of it, but. You know, there's a time and a place. If you're doing the same thing every single day, your body is not going to thank you for it. It's actually going to hate you for it. So, yeah, I think that's um, that's a great sentiment to end on there. Um, so, Ollie, how can people connect with you? Where can they go? Um, you know, website, um, social media. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, so basically, you can get in touch with me uh, via Instagram, and my handle is uh, Ollie Frost PT. Um, if you've got any questions on anything, I, I do loads of stories throughout the day, usually Monday to Friday. So this sort of covers what I do with clients. And if you see something you like or you think, oh, that could be beneficial to me, feel free to um, send me a message and I can try and help you as best I can on that. Um, I offer online coaching and there's currently two spots available for that uh, that's a tailored sort of um, one-to-one approach online that's done for a platform for true coach and all my stuff's on there and it's very interactive which is great um, and then I do obviously one-to-one coaching in London I'm based in Clapham at a physio practice called Balance um, that's in Clapham North at Balance Physiotherapy and I do workshops four or five times a year so look out for those they get posted on Instagram and I do some shorter courses in between. So yeah, just, just, I'm, I'm mainly based in London, but you know, I'm also um, also have travelled outside of London to do workshops for various people. So if you if you think this could be beneficial for a group of you or a gym which you are nearby, then feel free to get in contact in them. Um, yeah, and to see if that could be an option for me to come up and travel somewhere else as well. So yeah, that's I think that's pretty much covers it all. Awesome. That's brilliant, Ollie. I'll be uh, getting some members of my gym together to get you to come up. <laughs> I've wanted to do one classes for ages, yeah. and uh, because of where you are, Clapham, I'm not always there, but uh, maybe I'll just uh, step outside my comfort zone and uh, yeah, that'd, to North that'd be great, yeah. And uh, join one of your... Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Ollie. I really appreciate it, and um, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Great. Thank you very much. Cheers then. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com. <laughs>